the more that Jews have been targeted in Trump's America and post-Trump's America, the more deeply we felt connected not only to our Jewish community, but to the broader community where there were many vulnerable minority communities that were being uh, you know, attacked and on the front line and made to feel even more vulnerable. And so that this era has kind of been marked by um, a renewed commitment to imagining a different kind of Jewish community and a different kind, a different kind of faith community and a different kind of society, and then rededicating ourselves to realizing that vision together. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about you know what anti-Semitism looks like in 2023 because this is what is perhaps the most maybe not shocking, but still feel shocking is that some of the, my Jewish relatives and my Jewish friends, some of them are thinking, you know what, maybe I should move to Germany, which to me is the most like wild irony and indictment of our country right now that they don't feel safe in America. And they're looking towards Germany for, for a, a home and, you know, not to, you know what I mean by that. You know, you know what I mean, how ironic that is. What is the state of anti-Semitism right now as you're seeing it and how you would like the broader community, Jewish and non-Jewish alike, to, to uh, imagine how that feels and then also to get engaged to counteract it? Yeah. First of all, thank you for asking the question. Um, I think this is an era of awakening in so many ways. It's been certainly an era of awakening in the racial justice space and really trying to understand how anti-Black racism has permeated every aspect of life in America, every system, every, um, you know, every individual and every collective. And I I, um, and all other kinds of biases that we hold in our, um, you know, in, in our broader culture. And I think one of the least interrogated racisms in America is anti-Semitism. And so I deeply appreciate you asking. Um, I would say that there's been a turning point in the way that anti-Semitism has functioned in America in, 20, in 2017. So over the last several years, we've seen a kind of transformation and it's all happening so quickly that many people don't understand it, even Jews. So we often are like, what is going on? So Charlottesville 2017, these neo-Nazis are marching to protest a Robert E. Lee statue being taken down and they're chanting, Jews will not replace us. And, and I think most people in America, including most Jews are like, what do the Jews have to do with your Robert E. Lee statue? Like, what are you even talking about? Why are you surrounding a synagogue and threatening to burn down a synagogue. What does our what does this Jewish community of Charlottesville have to do with your anti-black racism? And only through investigation and interrogation do we understand what's actually going on, which is as Eric Ward and others have been unfolding for us and 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 really sharing with us over the course of the last many years, the way that anti that that anti-Semitism is the beating heart of white supremacy and white nationalism in America. The way that this ideology, this, this European style anti-Semitic ideology has been at the heart of, of, of the movement uh, toward, toward building a, you know, a, a white only America. It's very much at the heart of the lie of, of the white genocide. And so what, is it, what does it have to do with it? I mean, part of it is rooted as we've learned 
in the the disbelief around black excellence. This, I mean, at the heart of mm. anti-black racism, the the belief among many of these white nationalists that that black people can't achieve excellence on their own. So it must be that the Jews are the puppet masters who are manipulating movements for social justice, movements for racial justice in America. You remember the, you know, the lie that Soros was responsible for the caravan of brown people that were gonna invade America, which ultimately led you know, a, a person, an unhinged person to go into the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh and, and murder a bunch of Jews who were at worship on Shabbat morning. So the idea is that Jews are the master manipulators who control the media, who control government, who control the banks. And each of these tropes, you know, is so dangerous. They're part of this very dangerous conspiracy theory that build a kind of composite picture that Jews are a nefarious force within our society that operate as a kind of fifth column that either has or strives for world domination. And the rest of America are sort of the suckers that are gonna be, you know, that are gonna be victimized by the, mm. the plot of the Jews. Now, this is, as I said, a very, this is not a new idea. This is a very old idea. It's a very old European form of anti-Semitism. But now that anti-Semitism is what's at the heart of the anti-Semitism that's emerging in America. And what I think we're like, what I really want people to understand is how this is not only dangerous for Jews, this is a danger for everybody. Because when anti-Semitism thrives in a society, racism thrives. And when anti-Semitic language is proliferating in a culture, nobody is safe. When violence against Jews becomes normalized as it has, and you've seen, I'm sure, all these reports of, you know, hate crimes in Los Angeles, hate crimes in America, the kind of spiking of hate crimes and the religious group that's targeted, you know, by far and away, number one on that list is always the Jews, right? They're att violent attacks on the Jews. When violence against Jews becomes normalized, there's an increase in violence generally in a culture and especially against other minority communities and, and anti-Semitic lies, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories don't only endanger us, it, they actually endanger democracy. And so mm. part of what I want people to understand is that th this is a, anti-Semitism has always been used as a wedge issue to kind of break apart those who would resist tyranny. And it's exactly the playbook that we've seen in America over the last six or seven years, that as there's a movement that has emerged to respond to a move toward autocracy and tyranny, it's the anti-Semitic lie that kind of wedges into those movements in order to break people apart so that they can't stand on the stage together, so that they can't fight back together because we're so much weaker when we are at, when we're functioning in these kind of disparate and broken and fragmented right. ways. And right. we're so much more powerful when we can actually stand together. Right. So so this is I mean, this is the be beginning of a much longer and I hope ongoing conversation with you about anti-Semitism. And, you know, I, but in brief, what what you know, you talk about standing together. And that's what I'm like, what are the ways that we can stand together right now? And really just say, first of all, I, is it 
when we hear the trope, when we hear the lies, we just, we counteract it. We say something. It's like, see, hear something, say something, see something, yeah. say something. That's a start. Being intentional, I think, about reaching out to people, um, your Jewish friends, your Jewish neighbors, and and saying, how are you? What can I do? I, I'm, 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 I'm follow, trying to follow the lead of what I've heard. You can continue the list for me, um, but I just want to make sure people feel empowered because I think also these kind of movements, you feel like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. You know, these are, you know, and, and I actually think there's a role for everybody. Well, I think, again, thank you for asking. It's not just that we think that we're powerless to do anything about it. I think we don't understand it because the mm. because anti-Semitism functions so differently from other forms of racism. So and many people have pointed this out, that many forms of racism are feel like shooting down and anti-Semitism feels like it's shooting up because you're only attacking the people who have all the power, who have all the money, who have all the control. And even thinking that way is buying into an anti-Semitic trope. Uh -huh. And I think a uh -huh. lot of people don't even understand. So people will say like, you know, we've had met many people, you know, regular people to celebrities who will say things like, oh, I wanna have, you know, I wanna be have money like the Jews have money. And they think it's actually a compliment, right? It's not a compliment because what it's doing is it's feeding into a lie, a conspiratorial lie that says that Jews control the banks. If Jews control money and the banks, then your poverty, your suffering, your lacking is at the hands of this force, this evil, right. eternal, demonic force that is my family, right? And yeah, so right. part of what I think we have to do is exactly as you said, when we hear these things, to call them out and to say something yeah. and say, hold on, you're playing into a white nationalist trope right now. I don't know if you mean to be. Some people do mean to be. White nationalists certainly mean to be. But you hear anti-Semitic tropes from racial justice leaders, right? I mean, people uh -huh. who are supposed to be on the other side of this also, I think, often inadvertently reiterate the very same tropes that are at the heart of the anti-Semitic lie, which fundamentally harm all people who are in, in minority communities, including people of color, including any any community that might be vulnerable to, to the kind of white supremacist and white nationalist ideal. And so I think the first thing is, we have to learn about it. We have to, the whole idea from, you know, of, of learning to become an anti-racist is, is learning how to actively interrogate the way that we engage in this country with our most basic assumptions, asking those powerful questions, going through the painful work of saying, in what ways have I internalized some of these biases against, for example, against black people? And then how, what do I need to do to reckon with it and then to eradicate it, to build a different a different way of being? And that's absolutely critical work that we have to be doing with all of our biases, including mm. with the bias against Jews, which manifests as, you know, as, as a form of kind of conspiracy and, and, and lie lies again against Jews. So the first thing is, I think, doing the work, educating ourselves, interrogating ourselves, calling it out when we hear it, right? And I might one I, I was talking the other day to a friend who's in law school and she was sitting in the law library and around the corner from her, but it, like at another little gathering where a bunch of students were sitting, she heard a student say, you know, all I know is I'm gonna Jew them down until I get the best possible price. She's like, we're in a law, this is a law school student in 2022, you know, it's a couple weeks ago, saying we're gonna Jew them down. And, and by the way, 
he doesn't think he's being anti-Semitic. He thinks he's getting a good deal, right? He thinks, I admire the Jews, that they always get the best price. It's dangerous for all of us. And so yeah. I think it's about, and she had to get up all her courage and walk over and say, you know that people can hear you when you talk. You should think a little bit more about what you're saying. So I think that that's upon all of us. And the last thing I'll say about this, Paul, is shortly after the election in 2016, we had a gathering at the Islamic Center in Southern California here. And it was a beautiful, powerful, multi-faith gathering of clergy leaders in the city. And luckily, as I said, we've spent many years building these relationships. A lot of us have been in the trenches together. And it was a room that was full, it was multi-faith, but it was heavily Latino, Latino clergy in uh, LA. And one of the Muslim leaders from the mosque stood up and said, I am speaking right now to the Latino community of Los Angeles. And I tell you that this will be a safe place for you. That if they come after you, you know that we will embrace you with arms of love and understanding. And I could not, I mean, it was an astonishing moment for me because here's the Muslim community, which was, you know, I mean, on the front line of Trump's you know, hatred and cruelty and I mean, really targeted community that was already opening their eyes to the Latino community, which was, they were saying, you're even closer to the front line than we are. And so, and modeling what it means to reach out with embrace and to say, we all feel vulnerable right now. And when we feel vulnerable, our instinct is to entrench, right? I want to go back. I want to hide in my own Jewish corner when Jews are attacked, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say from my own vulnerability, I will attach myself to other people, stand in solidarity with other people who similarly feel that their communities are under attack right now. And, and together, we're going we're gonna to continue to invest in building a coalition that will manifest a society of love and justice, because none of us can do it alone. The only way that that will happen is we do it together.